0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest episode of the Fundraiser's Perspective on the Dynamic Nonprofits podcast feed. And this is where we take that special perspective that we have as fundraisers to look at some things from the broader world of marketing. And of course, there is no bigger day in marketing or advertising than the Super Bowl. So for the second consecutive year, we're going to continue our tradition here of looking at my five favorite ads from the Super Bowl. And we hope that you enjoyed Super Bowl Fifty Five. Obviously, it's been a difficult year for everyone. So, anytime you can have a hundred million Americans come around to uh, do something to take their mind off the world, that's a good thing. And um, listen, uh, it was not the—it uh, it was certainly not the best football that we've ever seen in the Super Bowl. But I found it to be an intriguing matchup, an intriguing game, just because I think so highly of Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback and uh, the type of dynamic player that he is. We really have never seen anybody like this that uh, has all the classic skills of quarterback, but can create on the fly. I mean, the way he throws sidearm passes and is able to escape sacks. I mean, it really is just mind blowing how talented he is. So to see him contained last night, I found to be fascinating because I, I was just waiting for him to break out and I thought that the Chiefs were going to win last night. So to see him bottled up by Tampa's defense, just a phenomenal game plan. And I think anytime you can contain greatness like that, um, that is intriguing in itself. But certainly not the most dramatic game that we have ever seen, or even um, the the best, uh, the most well played game. A lot of penalties last night. A little bit of sloppy play on both sides. Um, but. I mean, what can you say about Tom Brady? And listen, I know it's easy to hate on Tom Brady. I'm a Giants fan. I'm a New York sports fan. So it's antithetical for me to say anything nice about uh, somebody who's associated with Boston sports, even though Tom Brady is no longer a New England Patriot. And don't get me wrong, I enjoyed watching him lose uh, two Super Bowls to my Giants. But you really have to respect the greatness that we are witnessing because we'll probably never see something like it again and and I do try to live in the moment of being a sports fan and just appreciate uh what we are seeing the fact that he has now won more Super Bowls than any other franchise um think about that and uh I, you know I I don't think we've seen anything quite like this since Michael Jordan and not just in his talent as a football player. I mean, at age 43, his skills um, are still pretty remarkable, but he's certainly not uh, close to his peak, but he has that rare ability. And and we've talked about this with Michael Jordan when we talked um, uh, about his career and how highly I think about him is that It's so rare that you get somebody who's the best player on the field or on the court, but who also has those classic leadership qualities where they make everyone around them better. I mean, look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you get a lot of guys who uh, are kind of a ragtag bunch. Um, they do have a lot of talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Don't get me wrong, but they have a lot of guys uh, like Antonio Brown, who was really written off. He was out of the league, came back to play with Brady, had a big night last night. Uh, Leonard Fournette is a guy who um, uh, was was once highly thought of as a running back, but he didn't have a home before the start of this season. He's kind of turned into a journeyman. He had a big night as well in the Super Bowl. Rob Gronkowski was – Um, retired. A year ago, he was involved in uh, WWE. He looked like his future was in professional wrestling, not back on the football field. He came back. And the fact that uh, Brady's able to bring these guys off of the sidelines, to uh, bring everyone around him to make them better, that they have that much respect for him, that really is a remarkable ability. And I think that combined with his talent, with his clutch ability, is something we'll never see again. So, Um, who knows if we'll get to see Tom Brady in another Super Bowl? I understand it's easy to get bored of him. It's easy to kind of resent the fact that he seems to have a perfect life and is a consummate winner. I get that, but, uh, do try to appreciate the greatness that is in front of us because he really is a a generational talent. And I don't know if we're going to see anything quite like it ever again although Patrick Mahomes, I fully expect to see him back in more Super Bowls before we're said and done because I think that highly of him. And uh, fortunately, not a great last night last night for Patrick Mahomes, but the great ones learn from losing. And uh, if um, I have a feeling uh, we may see him back in the Super Bowl sooner than later. But we're here to talk about the ads. So before we dig into my top five list, a bigger picture um, analysis of what we saw in the ads last night. Now, the, the top headline is going to be the continued growth of use of celebrities in celebrities and advertising and I think that reflects a couple different things um, first of all this was a year where brands were pretty upfront that they were very concerned about making a mistake or taking the wrong tone uh, some brands stayed out of the Super Bowl altogether because they didn't want to be seen as spending on this extravagant ad space during a pandemic they didn't they thought that might be tone deaf. Um, but the ads, uh, many of the brands that were in the, in the game, um, chose to utilize celebrities and this is a very safe choice and it really was quite overwhelming. I have a short list in front of here. Now, th- none of these are ads that made the top five and some of these you probably forgot about, which is part of the problem with, um, overexposing or over utilizing celebrities and advertising. But see if you can remember some of these, because I know I forgot about some of them until I had a list in front of me. Um, we had Michael B. Jordan, who was in an ad for Alexa last night. Uh, Drake was in a State Farm ad. Um uh, this one I completely forgot about and it may have gone over a lot of uh, people's heads, but Winona Ryder, Ryder was in a Cadillac, Cadillac ad last night uh, where she was reprising her role from the Edward Scissorhand movie, which, um, again, sometimes I think we try a little bit too hard to find a way to wedge celebrities into these spots. Edward Scissorhands, great movie, but 1990, I mean, how many people um, – how many people's heads did that go over last night? Don't know if that was a great choice. Um, I remember seeing the ad, but it didn't uh, strike anything with me. He um, had Ashton Kutcher and uh, Mila Kunis uh, in um, in an ad for Cheetos, which was okay, a little bit predictable. Um, and uh, Dolly Parton was in uh, was re- recreated her uh, 9 to 5 song for uh, Squarespace. Those are just some examples. There are many more. And a lot of these ads were kind of uh, forgettable. And and I think that's the real risk here is that when you're playing it safe, and really regardless of whether you're fundraising, uh, whether you're creating ads for the Super Bowl or anything else where you're trying to capture the consumer's attention, um, when when everyone is playing it safe, you risk... um, you risk, you, you run a real risk of running, of blending into the pack. And I think that's what happened with a lot of these spots last night. And I've noticed this over the years as we've seen more celebrities being utilized, is that as these ads have become more and more expensive, um, I think a lot of the agencies have become a little bit gun shy. They're afraid to take a chance. They're afraid to be bold. They're afraid of accidentally offending somebody. So you go for the easy, hey, I recognize this person celebrity spot. Maybe there's a pinch of nostalgia in there, but um, it's it's a really easy way to make an ad, which will get talked about on some degree, but uh, probably is not going to be divisive. It's not going to be seen as, as a big miss. But if you're doing what everyone else is doing, I don't see how that really stands out, commands attention, and ultimately drives action. So it'll be interesting to see as ads, uh, we assume, continue to get more expensive and continue to exceed $5 million for a 30 second spot, is this trend only going to accelerate? Are we gonna see more celebrity spots, more brands reaching for celebrities or trying to make a nostalgia play um, next year and in the years ahead? Or do we start to see a little bit more risk taking um, because Brands are starting to realize that they're not getting the return on their investment in terms of the uh, attention that the ads are drawing or the conversations that they're starting, even if they're not worried about directly selling product from the spot. So just something interesting to keep an eye on in the year ahead. years ahead. The other thing that I really noticed, and um, maybe this is not something that you would pick up on if you don't work in the world of advertising or marketing, but it certainly stood out to me as I saw... Uh, A lot fewer brands um, trying to drive traffic online or trying to keep the conversation going, so to speak, with consumers. Um, This had been a big thing in years past where ads during the game would actually be teaser ads of longer ads, and they would want to drive you online to see them, or they would want you to to go online and sign up so that they can uh, capture your email address and continue interacting with you. And this was these were big metrics that um, brands and agencies were looking at were um, either uh, traffic that was being driven as a result of these ads or the conversation which was being considered uh, continued on social media. Um, that's the other thing. We didn't see a whole lot of hashtags being used last night. And you know, to me, that that tells me that as brands are looking at these ads, and maybe as agencies are looking at these ads, because this might be actually a bigger part of it, is that, what they're realizing is that the audience is so big and so broad for the Super Bowl now it really is the day where you can market to everybody at the same time but sometimes that's a dangerous thing because you have uh if your audience is too broad um and you're driving a bunch of traffic to your website it's also not very targeted and it, and perhaps uh what brands are seeing is that um in the long run, if you look down the funnel, a lot of this is not generating um, activity so or or conversions. So it could very well be that Super Bowl ads are now seen as just strictly a branding play to start, a, start the conversation with consumers. You're not so much worried about driving them online and continuing that conversation and trying to drive sales. Because if you do look at it through those metrics, it could be difficult to... Um, to justify a $5 million spend for a 30-second spot. But still being able to get in front of all those eyeballs and be able to make a branding play and aim for the very top of that funnel, um, it still is certainly one of the uh, better values if you look at it on a per thousand basis. So um, hard to say if that's an intentional decision, but it certainly was striking. There were uh, far fewer brands this year that were trying to drive consumers online Um, or trying to really go for uh, capturing information to being able to continue the conversation and continuing the engagement from the original ads. But let's get into our list here, and we're going to start at number five, and this was the Bud Light legend spot. And this is probably going to be a little bit of a divisive pick on my end, because um, a lot of people who may not remember these ads may not fully get it. But I think for the intended audience, it really was a brilliant play, because if you've been watching Super Bowls over the years, uh, you know that Bud Light has built up a huge stable of memorable ads. And in fact, I think in recent years, they've had a hard time living up to that legacy. And um, what this did is it really kind of created a franchise from these ads, Bud Light Legends. And this was an example of a brand, I know we just said a lot of brands weren't doing this, but this was one of them that is trying to drive people online to continue the conversation. You can go to the website. Uh, I think it's bud light, uh, slash legends. And, uh, they have a, a huge archive of these, um, these great legendary bud light spots, uh, starting with the bud light Knight, who was, um, m- most of, a, most of a younger audience is probably familiar with. Um, he, he's been around for a while, uh, up until uh this past year, but Cedric the Entertainer, the Bud Bowl. Um, I know if you're my age, you definitely remember the Bud Bowl. I mean, that brought back some fond memories. Um there was uh the Del- Dr. Galakowicz guy who um who stole the the ride in the limousine at the airport. I mean these were just legendary, brilliant uh spots that we remember and these characters who we remember all of these years later. So I think it makes sense to uh, to leverage that. Uh, it is a nostalgia play uh, for many of us who remember these spots over the years. Um, and uh, but it also, I think, is is aimed at the right audience because uh, the beer category in general, not to get too specific on, on to, you know beverage metrics here, but uh, the beer category in itself has been fading, um, but light beer in particular has been fading, and that's because a lot of health-conscious uh, consumers are moving over into spike seltzers and, and things like that. So, um, it's it's going to be hard moving forward for um, for beer companies, I think, to generate new light beer drinkers. So this is going to continue to be a declining category. But what this does is it. Is it is it aimed uh, strictly at the people who probably still do drink light beer on occasion? Um, craft beer is dominating the conversation, but light beer certainly still has its place if you're uh, at a barbecue or, or tailgating, or you know just any other time. I mean that that's what um, that that's what made the the Bud Light tagline of "Won't fill you up and never let you down" so great is it's so simple and it explains the value prop of uh, of light beer. So there still is a place for that. And I think as a, as a brand, Bud Light's best play is to get the people who still will drink light beer on occasion to uh, associate um, Bud Light at, at, the, or at the top of their mind when they're thinking about that. And going back into these legendary ads and building a brand around that, I think is a great way to do that. And it's also um, not just a, uh, a one-off deal. So there were a lot of characters that we did not see last night. Uh, the was up guys come to mind. There's more that you can do with the Bud Light Legends and build it out over time. It's not a one shot deal. And I think that is is a great way to look at Super Bowl ads if you're trying to get the most bang for your buck is what's something that you can do to start a new conversation with the consumer as opposed to it just being a one off where you pay five million bucks and you get your 30 seconds and that's it. This uh this this actually creates an intellectual property and something to build on as a way to uh, really kind of thrust uh, Bud Light as a brand back to the top of the minds of consumers who are still drinking light beer. And our fourth favorite ad from Super Bowl 55 was Anheuser-Busch's Let's Grab a Beer Spot. Anheuser-Busch, of course, is the parent company for the Budweiser brands. And this was an amazing ad on so many levels. I I just love this ad. And uh, when I'm done talking about it, you're probably going to wonder why it wasn't uh, ranked higher. And I'm going to explain that as well. But this really, um, it showed what advertising is capable of doing when it's on its game. I mean, this was something which could have been written by Don Draper himself and featured in Mad Men. Because It it shows you uh, what happens when you're not selling a product and instead you're selling the feeling that that product creates because more often than not, that is more valuable to the consumer than the product itself. And and the struggle is um, finding a meaningful feeling to connect with products um, for many advertisers. But this was perfect. And of course, it's such a, a layup of an opportunity is that grabbing a beer with somebody or getting a beer is usually not about the beer itself. It's about bonding. It's about connecting. It's about celebrating. Sometimes it's about helping somebody through a tough time. But we've all had these types of moments for the most part, and many of them were spent over an ice cold beer. And it it connects with the audience in, in such a special way. And um, I, I especially think that um, Uh, And for one thing, the ad was just beautifully shot. Uh, That was the other thing, was it really kind of leapt off of the the television screen. And um, it just, it looked amazing. And all the moments were easy to understand and they connected very simply with the audience who probably related to a similar experience themselves. And I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels that way about the spot. Um, The reason why it's not higher up is I think it's a little too soon, but it may be too soon in a good way. Um, So as you're seeing that, we're also all remembering all these things that we missed during the pandemic, right? We miss going out with our friends to get a beer, or to just bond over a beer, or or whatever it is. Like it's all part of the human experience that we're missing um, as a result of the pandemic. So um, it may have triggered some of those emotions, like it made you realize how much you really hate pandemic life and how tough how tough um, how tough uh, quarantining. And the pandemic has been. Um, but I don't necessarily think from a brand perspective that's a bad thing because this is priming a really important conversation. And this is a really smart place for beer to be as a category because, uh, as we just talked about, beer is actually a declining beverage uh, beverage category. Uh, more people are shifting over into uh, liquors and to seltzers uh, and to craft beverages. So... Um, this is a really smart time for beer companies to kind of start this conversation. That it's it's more than about the beer. It's about the the symbolism. It's about the moment. It's about the uh, human connection, and um, I think there's a big opportunity uh, for for beer to advertise in this way as we're coming out of the pandemic. Because these are all the moments, the connections that people are hungry for. So maybe it's a little too soon. You know, I think. If this is three or six months from now, um, maybe it's that much more powerful because people can actually act on it where maybe we start to see a shift in consumer behavior where beer as a category starts to come back a little bit. But I don't think it's ever too soon to kind of start that conversation, to start people thinking about that. And there is something to be said about uh, creating in the mind of the consumer this uh, this pent up t- demand for human connection that when we're able to get out um, as, as vaccines come online and as life starts to get back to normal here, as we all hope it will in the next few months, that um, there's gonna be a pent up demand for these things. And this is a great way to start that conversation, but really a beautiful ad and, and one that was very well executed and just a, a, a really classic example of how you can um, highlight the emotion that your your product produces as opposed to just the value proposition of the physical product itself. And sometimes that emotion is uh, even more powerful of a draw for the consumer. And my third favorite ad from last night uh, as we move away from the beer category uh, was from Vroom. Uh, Vroom, uh, of course, if you're not familiar with them, is uh, an online car seller And what was so brilliant about this spot was it was also an example of a perfectly executed ad. You have 30 seconds, 30 very expensive seconds, and if you're able to um, highlight a problem for the consumer, um, particularly if it's something they may not realize is a problem, and position your brand or your product as a solution for that problem, if you're able to do that in 30 seconds, That really is uh, just a a beautiful execution and another example of how powerful and effective advertising can be. And that's exactly what this broom ad did. Uh, It started off uh, with a a hypercharged example of something we've all felt probably from time to time going to a car dealership where you feel like you're stuck there forever and you can't leave. And uh, it kind of uh, uh, dramatized it as, as a as like a as a as a, a little a bit of a horror movie type of thing, it was it was really cool and interesting because um, again, I don't know that people are walking around thinking, "Wow, I really hate buying cars or going to the car dealership." But on, on some level, there are so many people who feel this way. I know I do. It really is one of the most miserable pur- purchasing experiences um, that that's out there. And it's an industry which is ripe for disruption, but maybe not something that people are aware of, top of mind, how much they really hate. But this ad, what it did was it really brought out all those feelings. And how many people were watching it and say, "Yeah, going to the car dealership really does suck," and I hate the whole talk to my manager routine and and all of the haggling. Like there's so many, there's so much there to eventually flesh out as a brand. And what was so and and of course. Um, very, very naturally then shifting to uh, Vroom as a solution for those problems and a much better buying experience. And of course, contactless, which is important in this environment. But what was so uh, impressive about this ad, and I think what ultimately will make it so effective, they're not the only brand out there that does this. But this is the type of ad which can start changing consumer behaviors because it starts getting getting them to think about, um, uh, to to think about changing their behavior in a meaningful way because it brings all those raw emotions to the surface that are associated with going to a dealership. Um, the other brands that I've seen um, that are in this space have really positioned it more from a convenience purpose, and and yes, it's true that it's more convenient, but they're not. highlighting necessarily all of the bad things associated with going to the dealership, because there still is that hurdle there anytime you're trying to shift um, consumer behavior um, with buying something online that um, you have to get them to overcome all of the reasons why they may not want to buy that online. Like they want to see the car in person, or they're just not used to it. It's a new behavior. Um, But this is how you expedite those trends, those expedite those shifts in consumer behaviors. So this is um, not just potentially a defining ad for Vroom as a co- as a as a company, but as a category, online car sales. I think, and a really smart way for them to go moving forward is to really just hammer all of the things that are terrible about buying a car in person, because it's going to resonate with so many people. And last night, you have to imagine a lot of people started thinking about this who may never um, have previously considered buying a car online. Now it's top of mind and Vroom really hit a home run uh, with uh, 100 million uh, viewers uh, with their attention on the game. And as we come down the stretch here, we come to our, our second favorite ad from Super Bowl 55. And this one, um, I'm, I'm cheating a little bit because technically it didn't air during the game. It ended, uh, it aired right before kickoff. Um, but I thought it was so good and so effective that I did include it. But I guess it's a little bit of a technicality whether you want to consider it to be an actual Super Bowl ad. Um, it was from uh, Frito-Lays, and it was the spot where Marshawn Lynch uh, read Twas the Night Before the Super Bowl. Um, it featured the Manning Brothers and Archie Manning. Um, it had other NFL legends, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Troy Aikman, Jerome Bettis, and Terry Bradshaw. And and what was great about this was it didn't just have NFL legends. Everyone was perfectly cast. Um, Marshawn Lynch was probably the perfect person um, to be reading the story. He absolutely owned the role, and it looked like he had a great time doing it, and it was super natural. It didn't come across as canned or corny. Uh, he did a tremendous job. Um, anytime you could have interactions between the Manning brothers, I think that's always a good thing. We've seen that before, always pretty funny. And um and, and just the way that the products were integrated into these little segments. Um, were pretty cool. You had the Manning brothers in their basement stacking on lays, Joe Montana and Jerry Rice playing the paper football game um, with, with, uh, with chips. I mean, that was, that was really pretty brilliant. Um, As well as uh, Terry Bradshaw and Jerome Bettis trying to reenact um, the immaculate reception and Terry Bradshaw falling through the table with, with chips on it. And, and, the 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 tagline of the spot was "Don't forget the chips," and I it, it was it was just it was just such a, such a great example of what happens when you have celebrities in your ad, but it's in the ad in a way that's organic, that's natural, that's authentic. It doesn't feel forced, and um, the call to action was was really solid. I mean, a lot of people probably got up and got a bag of chips out and poured it in a bowl after they saw that ad um but more importantly more importantly what this is doing is um it's establishing uh, Frito Lay's brands, chips, and just chips in general as an integral part of the Super Bowl experience. And this has been a really powerful thing for brands in the past. I mean, we all associate the Super Bowl with pizza and buffalo wings, and uh, avocados from Mexico has done a good job getting themselves into that conversation. So, this is just the kind of thing that Plants yourself in the brain where you're thinking when you're planning your next Super Bowl party next year when hopefully we're all allowed to gather again that uh, don't forget the chips. Um, and and then that's an uh, integral part of the Super Bowl party experience. Um, but really just a, a funny ad, a lot of good humor in it. Uh, all of the athletes were perfectly cast and um, the product was uh, embedded in the ad in a way which was very natural uh, and authentic. And I think uh, Friedelays lays um, and their agency gets a lot of credit for um, producing just a really enjoyable spot. And now we've reached our favorite ad from Super Bowl 55, the Tom Brady of advertisements. Well, maybe not that good, but still a pretty damn good ad. And that was Bud Light, the Bud Light Seltzer Lemonade ad. And this, of course, was the spot... Which reminded us all what we didn't need to be reminded of—that 2020 was a lemon of a year—and um, it—it real. I'm surprised that we haven't seen more brands lean into the "2020 sucks" narrative because it's something which so natural, which resonates to us uh, right away, and so many of us feel. And there's so many uh, emotions uh, uh, associated with that. And, and any time uh, an ad or a brand positively affirms your feelings. Um, I think that's a good thing uh, for reaching and resonating with the consumer. But I think the reason why we haven't seen more of this kind of thing is, um, again, we talked about how um, brands and agencies have become very risk adverse when it comes to Super Bowl spots. But I think that's really kind of been the trend in general this year, where they're afraid of taking the wrong turn t- uh, tone, they're afraid of appearing to be tone deaf, or accidentally offending people um, by striking a nerve during the pandemic, and, and I saw uh, some interesting information from a panel which was conducted um, by an ad agency. I'll try to find it and link to it in the show notes, along with all of our favorites here. That 81% of respondents said they wanted to laugh during Super Bowl ads, and and I think that's interesting because I don't necessarily think that's the sentiment uh, that you get from Madison Avenue that they think that consumers um are 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 that they're afraid to laugh or they don't want to laugh. And and we all know how terrible the pandemic has been and, and still is. I mean, we've talked a lot about it from a fundraising perspective on this podcast. So I certainly understand that. But I also think that when you have a situation like the Super Bowl where you have a hundred million people coming together in front of their televisions, um, that people are looking for escapism. They're looking for reminders about the world that uh, we had before COVID-19, and that we want to come back to after COVID-19. And I and I think that um, you know those subtle reminders, hey, the pandemic quarantine experience sucks. 2020 sucked. I, it's so true, and it's such a simple way to connect with consumers. And I'm really surprised we haven't seen more ba- more brands try bold approach. But um, Bud Light did it here. And they did it in a way which rings true that I don't think was over the top. It doesn't come across as insensitive at all. It's just kind of a humorous spot and something we can all relate to. And, and the best thing about this ad and the reason why I ranked it number one is that um, it positively affirms the feelings of uh, of the consumer. So it connects with them in that way. It, it's a funny ad, which is always good and it holds your attention, but what's, great about it was it so naturally connects with the product which we haven't even talked about yet uh which is uh bud light uh, new new uh, flavor of seltzer lemonade and when you think back to this spot um too often, I think, when when you see a funny ad, what happens is the ad makes you laugh, but you don't actually remember what the ad was for, which kind of defeats the purpose. So it's not really well executed in that sense. Um, is a great example of this. I don't remember what the company was, but I remember years ago there was a Super Bowl commercial where uh, they were herding kittens. And I don't even remember what the story was, but I remember people were talking about it because it was kind of a weird, offbeat ad. Uh, might have been for some type of software company or something. I, I don't even know, but like I remember the ad, I couldn't tell you who the heck it was for. In this case, you think back to it. Um, you're gonna reno- make that easy association of Bud Light, seltzer, lemonade, either when you're just thinking about it. Or more importantly, when you're in the store, it's going to come back to you. And that's where, again, going back to the Mad Men, Don Draper analogy, when you get into the imagination of the consumer, um, that's when you really win as an advertiser. And when somebody is walking or looking in the freezer at the liquor store, um, if you have liquor stores, it's a bit of a New Jersey thing, another story for another day. Um, But whether you're in the supermarket, at the gas station, wherever you are, Um, and, and you go and you see Bud Light Seltzer Lemonade. You think back to the spot, you think back to how it made you feel and funny and, uh, the funny connection with 2020 and it makes it more likely that you're going to buy it. So this is the type of ad that it's not directly selling anything. There's no call to action to go buy Bud Light Seltzer Lemonade. But I have a feeling that this was just a tremendous way to launch a new uh new flavor of seltzer and i think this is the kind of thing which is going to give them a really good market penetration off the bat because people are going to remember the product and remember the ad in a, in a uh in a positive way when they do go to uh uh to buy seltzer or to buy alcohol so um really just a, a, ph- a phenomenal ad and uh be interested to see if we see more of this moving forward as um, you know sometimes the ad men are, or, and ad women are a little bit behind the public in terms of what we're ready to hear and what we want to see in advertisements and i just think that the public doesn't want to see any more of these in indif- in these difficult times type ads and we we get it we've all felt it we don't want to be reminded of it especially in a way that is commercialized and at this point is obviously uh, trying to use that to connect and uh, um, with the consumer and maybe seen as a little bit exploitive. And uh, I think there's a lot of fertile ground for companies to kind of go after the um, you know, 2020 sucked, the pandemic sucked type of storyline in order to uh, get that, uh, positively affirm the uh, consumer's experience and make that connection with them. But that's our list. That's our top five. Um, a couple other honorable mentions that I did want to give credit to very quickly here. Uh, Uber Eats had uh, an interesting spot where they uh, brought back uh, Dana Carvey and Mike Myers um, to uh, do uh, a Wayne's World, and um, I, a lot of people, from what I could gather, didn't really understand it, didn't really think it was great. Again, you it really... Uh, when you're playing the nostalgia and when you think about how long ago Wayne's World uh, was, um, you know, you're you're running a risk of shooting over a lot of the audience's heads. Um, But I think this worked because they were trying to draw the connection between Uber Eats and supporting local restaurants. And this is something that I have felt since going back to the beginning of the pandemic was that there's a charitable component with how people are supporting their local restaurants and have been since the start of lockdowns because they realize that um, they need to step up when they have some extra cash and support their local restaurants if they want these vital institutions to survive. So um, at, if Uber eat, Eats or Grubhub leans into that angle a little bit and makes people like they feel like they're doing something good um, when they're using... These products, uh, when they're uh, supporting local restaurants, that's a really strong angle um, for um, for a company like Uber Eats to take. Um, I know sometimes um, the the delivery apps are a little bit controversial because of the cut that they take from restaurants, and there's a whole nother discussion to be had there about um, not relying on these apps and building direct relationships with consumers. I think that's really important for small businesses and restaurants to do, to not rely completely on these apps for business. Um, but it's drawing more eyeballs uh, to their their restaurant and getting more people in the virtual door. And I think that's really valuable in these times. And uh, it's a great marketing position, as well as um, something that people are, are really feeling right now, the need to support restaurants. So that, that was a really... Uh, kind of cool spot how they leaned into that angle and it was also very subversive uh where they were kind of making fun of advertising and I think that's always kind of fun uh when you make fun of advertising tropes because it's unexpected and and again it's something that we kind of subconsciously realize um it, it, it when a lot of you know stereotypical approaches and ads so that was kind of fun uh Fiverr which is an ad for freelancers um, head of a- had a pretty fun ad where they uh, were making fun of the four seasons landscaping uh, incident um, uh, with Rudy Giuliani. Um, I thought it was hilarious, but again, if you know me, you know, I'm a big politico and, you know, I know exactly what they were referencing in that ad and this is not about politics or whose side you're on. I think funny is funny. And that was a funny incident. And, um, and I think that the, the reason why it didn't make my list is, is, again, I try to separate what I think is funny versus what resonates with a large amounts of people. And the fact is, if you're not tuned in, I think also kind of like the Wayne's World situation, um, it went over a lot of people's heads if they really are not into politics and don't fully get the connection there. But it was funny. I don't think it did a great job of explaining what Fiverr does or really selling the benefits of the product. But... Um, It did make me chuckle. Uh, Huggies had a strong debut uh, in the Super Bowl. I just wanted to give a shout out to their spot. And uh, the NFL, who has done a really good job with their ads over the years, uh, they often uh, do make a lot of uh, top five and top ten lists with their spots. Um, I really liked the uh, Vince Lombardi ad. And I like, again, an angle that I'm surprised we haven't seen more advertisers take in Trying to rally us, rally the country, come together, fight through the pandemic and 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 better days ahead and 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 I think that is such a a much more positive approach to pandemic marketing than in these difficult times. Um, so I think it was really good uh, that the NFL did this um That's a sentiment which I think we're all kind of hungry for right now is that we are in all in this together and uh, we all kind of have to stick together if we're going to get through this and to the other side. And uh, Vince Lombardi just is um, a perfect symbol of that, that fight through this approach. Um, And, uh, you know, in in many ways, I think it was something that we wish that we would hear from um, or hear from hear from our uh, elected officials, regardless of what side you're on, you know, we, we want more of that positive, uplifting message and inspiring, inspiring, not uh, talk about dark winters and, and things like that, but making you focus on the light at the end of the tunnel and the end goal, which is to get through this pandemic and get back to the lies that we had before it. Um, I know it was a little bit divisive, the use of uh, the hologram uh, which happened before the game and then appeared uh, in the ad itself. Um, yeah, I didn't love that. I think hologam- holograms are kind of creepy. And uh, apparently, a lot of other people did as well. But uh, definitely, the audio components and even the visual components before that of the ad I thought were really solid and um, really hit a message that uh, resonates with a lot of people. And uh, I did want to mention, actually, one other thing uh, in talking about celebrity ads. Uh, I did want to give a hat tip to the Dexcom ad with, uh, Nick Jonas. So Nick Jonas, uh, is a type one diabetic. Uh, so he obviously is a, a, great example of an authentic use of celebrities. Um, celebrity spots can work when it's done authentically like that. We talked before about the Frito-Lay spot, how the product was authentically worked into the advertisement, um, it wasn't, I, I wasn't a very compelling spot. And in some ways, I think uh, when you're talking about the benefits of technology uh, in healthcare, um, sometimes it's actually a little bit more connective to highlight everyday stories and not celebrities. And I didn't find it to be a very compelling spot, but it was a very effective use of celebrity, obviously very authentic and uh, really cool that he's aligning himself with that message and, and something that's going to help a lot of people. Um, and just one ad, uh, again, I kind of already talked about some of the celebrity spots that just kind of faded into the background, didn't really do anything for me. Um, but one that I wanted to specifically mention was the Bruce Springsteen Jeep ad. And this is the one, come, uh, the coming together in the middle ad. Um, and I think this really could have worked. Um, I think back to the Clint Eastwood spot, which I remember, uh, I don't. I think it was GM. But it was—it's halftime in America, and it was all about rallying after um, after the financial crisis and auto bailouts, and how uh, this was this was our second half—that it was halftime—and basically, kind of like the Lombardi spot. There's better days ahead, and really, kind of an inspirational tone. And and I remember that uh, Clint Eastwood you know, seeing him and hearing him, it really kind of made you lean forward and pay attention to the ad, even if we were at a crowded party, very powerful. This could have been this. Um, I think just being completely honest, uh, that Bruce Springsteen is not a credible messenger for this ad. And again, I'm not commenting on his politics or politics in general. But Bruce Springsteen is very well known as being a political figure. His politics are well known. And I think somebody like Matthew McConaughey, who tries really hard to remain apolitical and uh, does try to appeal to people on both sides of the aisle and, and is seen as kind of like a common sense middle of the road guy, that could have been really effective. It wasn't the ad itself, but I found the messenger, the use of Bruce Springsteen, and I know he's never been in a Super Bowl ad, so that was supposed to capture your attention, to me, it was just kind of inauthentic and and a little bit disjointed, if you're aware of his politics. Um, now, on the other hand, some of this could have been intentional, and I'm thinking about that as well, that Jeep, I think, is kind of seen as being a conservative brand. So maybe this is an intentional outreach to people who are on the left to um, uh, to reach out and to think about Jeep differently. It, it could very well be that. Um I don't discount that. And if it turns out to be effective for them, then it was an effective ad. But I I found it to be a little bit of a disjointed viewing experience. But those are just a couple um, add-ons to the list. And I would love to know what you think about this and the best way to interact um, with this episode and dynamic, dynamic nonprofits content in general is on LinkedIn. So I'm going to share this episode. And if you're not connected with me, feel free to do so. I am Dan Sonners. Last name is S-O-N-N-E-R-S. And, um, Feel free to uh, tell us what was your favorite ad for or what were your favorite ads from the Super Bowl? What did you think about our list? And uh, do you want to see more content like this where we look at uh, the broader world of marketing and apply our very unique and dynamic perspective as fundraisers? But I hope you enjoyed our look at the uh, or my top five uh, favorite ads from Super Bowl 55. Hope you enjoyed the game. And uh, hope you are like me and looking forward to better days ahead, which are getting closer every single day. And uh, they'll be here before you know it. So I will talk to you soon and look forward to it. Take care. And thanks, as always, for listening.